Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm going to be interviewing two wonderful people. Can't wait to get into this. Let me introduce you to them. The first is Margie Longshore. She is the executive director of the nonprofit called Family Leadership Center, and it's based in Yarmouth, Maine. She has a master's in education from Harvard, and Margie has worked in the fields of education and adult development throughout her whole career. She's served as a consultant, teacher in schools from preschool right through to high school, and also as a curriculum developer. And whether she's working with adults or children, Margie sees the power of helping people to develop belonging and contribute to others. Margie has led workshops and courses internationally with parents, teachers, and community members. She is also a member of the Council of Representatives for the North American Society of Adlerian Psychology, and she holds certifications from the Center for Responsive Schools, the Parent Encouragement Program, Encouragement Consulting, Global Learning Partners, and Nonviolent Communication. She is also the daughter of Ted Wolfarth. Ted developed N-Team Sports and Games, and he developed this in order to give parents and other educators structures that strengthens players' understanding of a win-win relationship by using scoreboards that count the improvements in cooperation between players on different teams. Everyone can then see that they are getting better at helping each other. Ted collaborates with Margie's Family Leadership Center to provide community building programs to promote conflict resolution, social emotional learning, and collaborative learning. Ted himself earned a doctorate in education with a specialization in character education in 2017. Previously, he conducted market research for 16 years and taught economics for six years before working full time on N-Team Sports and Games. 
Well, welcome to the podcast, both of you. I am so thrilled that you're here. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Yeah, thank you for inviting us. So for the people that are listening, I just want to give them a little background on um, uh, how I wanted this interview to go. And it really sprung from the three of us being together because you two were co-presenting at the um, NASAP conference, which is our North American Association of Adlerian Psychology, our national organization. We have an annual conference. And this year it was in Denver and I attended your session together. And at that time I had known Margie from other Adlerian activities, but I didn't realize when I saw that your workshop, you're co-presenting, I did not know until I was in the room and enjoying the workshop, that in fact that Ted was your dad. And so, <laughs> and then of course was blown away by the content. Um, and I said, this is a, a must have for my podcast. So um, I wanted to to open up the conversation for you guys to take the content from that workshop and and share that and get people as activated and, and intrigued and resourced as I was coming away from that workshop. So for, thank you for that workshop. Do you remember the name of it? Um, Putting you I on the spot now. Give me two seconds, I'll look it up. It was something about, okay, I'm gonna find it. Hang on, let's see. <laughs> You consider yourself a cradle Adlerian? <laughs> a cradle Adlerian. Yeah, maybe. I actually never thought about that. But yes, I would say so. I think the one thing that my parents really focused on was um, that notion that everybody's worthy of dignity and respect. Um, that was something that came through very strongly in our and how they parented. My dad was curious about democracy and how to raise um, a family that was a strong participant in a democracy, you know, like, how do you do that? And so we followed Robert's rules of order. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's got a lot of rules, you know, and so we all learned early on, you know, you had to get a second before you could have a discussion and, you know, how it all works. And we all had different opportunities to be the president. It would last for like a year. You would be the president for a while in the family. And we had lots of practice. I don't know. Do you want to add anything to that, Dad? It's a lot of fun to think back on those years. And and I'm still trying to figure it out. How how does democracy work? And what is it that makes people run away from democracy? I don't have so many questions. Well, I think that was um, where I really felt that I connected with you, Ted, and the way your mind works, uh, in that I work with families, but my driving um, passion is thinking about it more globally. And and I, I like meta thinking. And I like how Adler's roots started by 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 his the context of world conflict. And my goodness, as we're sitting here recording this at the end of 2023 with everything that is going on, not just in the Gaza Strip, but other, I just, I try to really budget myself on listening to, to, to the news because I can get very um, depressed listening to it, but I try to also stay apprised. It, there are many conflicts, many conflicts going on um, in the world. Some get more airtime than others, but all humans deserve to be, as you said, treated with respect and dignity. And Adler really was, that was at the heart of his trying to like solve that essential problem. And 
Um, and he really believed that the starting place was at home. And here you are, Ted, you brought that to your family. And yet you do still have a, a big um, philosophical piece about the metal, as I do, about this yeah. idea that peace yeah. begins at home. So can, can I turn that over to you to, to say more about that as, as a piece that's primary to you? There's so many questions, and and to have the humility to listen for the ideas that that we need. Um, people pledge um, allegiance. Do do we understand what we're pledging to? Do we do we have um, a sense of what it means to um, to to respect? Other people, particularly the ones we disagree with, if somebody's trying to do something that's hurtful, um, that I feel is hurtful, how should I respond to that person? And Martin Luther King's main, one of his main points that we don't have to like the people, but we do have to love them. And to love them without liking what they're doing, um, not agreeing with them, but seeing that they are worthy despite their sometimes horrendous actions that is very difficult yeah i i you know two things come to mind as you say that one is a really interesting podcast that i listened to about uh, a famous jazz musician who was responsible for um converting uh i think three now of the head of the ku klux klan um it taking years years of dialogue of sitting down with someone who despises you hates you sees the world differently you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and he's been very successful with patience and and to your point, overcoming that, getting past the hatred. And then I think about that movie, Dead Man Walking. Do you remember this? An older movie now, um, but it was about a, a nun sitting with a man on death row, and he had done just really horrific things. You know, and uh, and how how big can your heart be? Um, and and I think sometimes when I, for me personally, when I think about extreme cases, it helps me understand the less extreme cases, but I like to go to those to, to know that that's kind of what we're being called to do. It's easy to like people you like. It's easy to like people that are like-minded that get along with, but how far can we stretch our values, our hearts, our, and uh, it's, a, it's a really great place to stretch and grow. And we're all being called to do that and talk about that now. How do we prime people? Where's the opportunity there with our young people? What should they be experiencing? And how do we help our kids start off on the right foot in that area? If we're going to look at the family as being the educational center for better human beings who can live peacefully together. You know, I I found the, the title of our workshop. Oh, yay. That one. It was Playing to Connect, Grow, and Win Together cooperative games and the four C's. So Love we it. referenced the crucial C's, which were originally Adler's ideas of belonging and growth and encouragement and um, significance, and then translated by Betty Lou, Bettner, and Amy Lou into the four crucial C's. And, and say so, what the four crucial C's are for people that are just joining us. Okay. So the first one is connect, that idea of belonging. Um, so we all need to know that we belong. And that happens at home. We're looking for belonging. And when you don't feel belonging in a useful way, it shows up in annoying ways, right? But you always are looking to belong. Um, and then the next one is, that's connect. Next one is capable. And that one really looks like um, I can do it. I'm competent. I have positive power. I am, 
I have some capability. And what it looks like when you don't have it, right, is you show up with power struggles or somebody looking for power in the wrong places because they don't have enough responsibility. So we talk about how to be capable. Then the third one is count. That's the one of mattering. Right now there's the big mattering movement or, right, or significance. Yes. And that's count. That's, I want to know my voice matters. I want to know that when I show up here, I make a difference, that you care that I'm in the room and that I'm a use, you know, that, and when I don't have that experience, that really hurts. So I'll do mean things to let you know, I don't feel like I count here, you know? So that's the, that's the dark side of it when you don't have it, but you're always looking for it. You always need to know you're significant. And then the last one is courage, um, which Adler called it encouragement. We need to know. And I'm essentially it's, it's not necessarily like having brawn and, and jumping off of something that's sort of crazy, but it's more the courage to know that when you fall down, you can get back up and you're not defined by your mistake. So you're, we're all bigger than the mistakes that we make and that we can move forward, you know? And so that's what courage is. And that's how we build that. And it's resilience, really. We build that by being encouraging. And so those are the forces. Yeah. And so, so I loved, I love that contribution because it's so crystal clear. I think parents really resonate with the clarity of those. That was a big contribution, I think, that uh, Amy Lou and Betty Lou made with those C's. But then you guys brought the gaming component to it not only to the to the family life and you guys presented on this marriage between how to get the four crucial C's through the use of game and play, which I learned so much, but also to learn more about Ted's company, which is not just in the family. That's one application. But in fact, that this is an application that is much greater for workplaces. And in fact, after that conference, Ted, you were so gracious in, in helping me get set up because I was doing some teacher training at a school that was bringing their staff back and getting ready for a big year. And after COVID, there was a lot to get settled in the school and and you gave me so many great ideas to take forward to that teacher training i was super grateful so there's many applications um but let's hear for this podcast we'll we'll um keep it a bit focused on the family and i'll I'll let you talk about the other applications later but so here's game how games and play are being useful for creating experiences that are helping fulfill a child's need to experience the four crucial C's. Have I got that? Is that concise? Yeah, that's the that's the main point. That the the four C's are principles. The games provide a place to practice those principles. And so let's talk about uh, not game theory, but like why games? Why not just lectures and spreadsheets and and uh, you know <laughs> what, what's so spe- what's so special about games? She says, knowing that you have so many great answers. <laughs> yeah, you want to start, Marty? <laughs> well, sure. Um, I think we learn through play, and um, actually, Allison, you had told me about something that I thought was amazing. That was it at the University of Toronto. There's a museum to play or to games. Yeah, University of Waterloo. They have a the, the history, cultural history of of games. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you were sharing with me that in the Inuit culture, like there's a whole room about Inuit games, and in the Inuit culture, there aren't any competitive games. They're all cooperative games for that culture. That's right. Yes. And I thought the logic as we were talking about it was that. Why would you want to play at something that's not going to serve you well in helping your community survive and take care of each other? 
And so you wouldn't want to ever play at anything that's not going to help you thrive as a community. And the way when we play, we're practicing, you know, we're practicing the skills of what it takes to live well in our community. And so it's really interesting to look at how does a culture play and what does play look like? And then to look at how's that culture's experience, you know? And yeah. and I think yeah. that what Ted's games are doing is helping us balance that we're making sure that we're learning skills and cooperation as much as we're learning skills in competing, you know, because to compete well, you have to be able to keep some secrets. You have to be able to like be strategic and maybe maneuver and outmaneuver, right? And those are all important skills in life at different times. But there's a lot of activities that we do where those skills are actually not useful and they're detrimental. Like it's, you know, if you are in a relationship with somebody or if you're um, in a partnership, you know, your work partnership and you're keeping secrets and you're out strategizing, you know, it's not going to go well. So we yeah. want to play at things that help us do that well and learn how to practice it and and learn to get better at it. Because when you play, you want to like level up, right? So the fun thing about the collaborative games that Ted's created is they score. So you actually end up with a score and you can level up or you can see that you like level down and you need to like grow. There's a, yeah. um, a really good quote, actually, Adler has it. It's an Alfred Adler quote. It's one of the ways in which social interest can be trained is through friendship. Games might be useful if they were regarded as training and cooperation. But in children's games, we find too often competition and the desire to excel. I think that's really important, the, the, the way you were talking about the Inuit culture. And within a community, you want cooperation to be successful. If your community is under attack by another community that is trying to take away your land or to take away your food or whatever they're trying to do to hurt you, or to, to to deprive you of something, then you're in a win-lose contest. If somebody's chasing you with a sharp knife, um, you've got to know how to deal with that. Or in more realistic terms, if you're in an election and you don't know how to compete, then you are not likely to get elected. Um, so the, the win-lose contest teaches a certain skill set that is a valuable skill set. We don't want to denigrate it in any way, but we want to recognize that it is fundamentally different from the skill set that we have in a collaborative situation where we need to be getting better at bringing out the best of each other. You have to recognize my weaknesses, not for the sake of taking advantage of my weaknesses, but to offset them and to show how together we can do better than any of us can do alone. It's funny that you should use the example of election. So again, you're saying like, it's not to say that there can't be learn the skills to get ahead and get yourself elected. We're not we're not poo-pooing that. But also because most of us are accustomed to the democracy that exists in North America. But when I was in Switzerland, their democracy is very different. So even within democracy, yes. there's different forms. And 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 it's very um there they rotate the head of state so they're not mm -hmm. having elections where you have to spend all your time trying to win and certainly in canada our elections are very short in the states they go for years and you have comp you have pledges mm -hmm. and like there's so much politics just in election that we could like do a whole other podcast about about that um 
but just I think for the listeners to take away that I think uh, that one of the things that Adler said is that it's not that we're anti-competition, but there is a competitive person. His quote is a competitive person must win, whereas a non-competitive person can handle competition whether they win or lose. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if he it's not as if he doesn't understand that there is competition, but the winning at any cost that it that that if I lose, I'm devalued like there's all these other psychological yes. tenants and a personal story. And then I'll toss it back to you. My niece, I gave her her first board game and it was like a version of snakes and ladders, but it was called race to the roof. And it was the first time she'd ever played a game. And so she rolled the dice and she, whatever, and it was like her game and she won and she got her game piece to the roof. And I said, you won. And I took her game piece off and then we continued playing and she broke into tears. And she said, why do they call it winning when I have to stop playing first? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh my God, it's so true. It's like, we have to indoctrinate people. with the idea of what it is to win it's not even something great she would have rather have played longer she would have been happier to have come in last place and played for another hour so interesting so anyways so so sorry so yeah games uh games can involve these these different these different constructs and recognizing that we have to teach children you want me to go out there and steal the ball from the other player? You, I, I, I'm supposed to steal the ball from them, and that the the children, the the questions of young children, um, when they're learning win lose contests are significant. I remember when Margie was was first learning sports, and and it came clear to me that we've got to understand that when children are playing games they are preparing for life in some sense that the games are preparatory and if we only win if somebody else loses then that creates a mindset that to be successful somebody has to suffer um, rather than the idea it, it, my background is in economics and um, I was doing market studies with an industrial real estate company for 16 years. And at the end of a deal, if the buyer or the seller, the banker, the architect, the engineer, the appraiser, anybody felt like they were a loser in that deal, there was something wrong with the deal. That we have to have everybody walk away knowing that they're better off because the deal was consummated. And if we can recognize win-win relationships the buyer wants the price to be low and the seller wants the price to be high. They don't have the same goal with respect to all the variables, but they want to have a relationship where they can do business together again in the future and that they, they all benefit from the transaction. And I love, I had Calvin Armading on an earlier podcast and he he wrote a book about cooperative families uh, and he was uses an example of playing basketball. And he said the the goal is to get invited to play again next time. <laughs> you can win every game and they're like, yeah, but you know what? You're not fun to play with. You're a jerk and you're hogging the ball and you're cheating and you're whatever. And so, you know, good on you, but we don't want you to, in our pickup team anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think that's the same thing. It's, if it feels like win-win and everyone's having a good time, you know, it can net out that way. We can aspire to that. We're, we're not told that enough. We're, we don't experience that enough. And having a, sport, a scoreboard that measures whether 
the teams are getting better at helping each other accomplish goals collaboratively. That's what in-team games provide. And I think that is a very core piece that I took away from that workshop. So maybe you could talk a little bit about, give some examples. I know we only did a few. We were only together for a short time at that conference. You work for much longer times if you're working with bigger groups of people um, around this. But maybe just use a couple of good illustrative examples and then how that scoring works from a a teaching motivational um, point of view. A a quick, simple example is volleyball. Um, The traditional game of volleyball is that one side is trying to hit the ball so the other side cannot return it. Um, And they each time they get a point every time the other team, the other side fails. Um, And in in team volleyball, the objective is for the two sides to work together. And both teams have players on both sides of the net. And they're trying to get the ball across the net as many times as possible in three minutes. And in that game, everybody who, after the ball is served, everyone on the receiving side has to hit the ball at least once, but not twice in a row. And so you're on one team and I'm on another team, but I have to hit the ball to you so you can hit it to the other person and we can get it around our side and across the net. Each time the ball crosses the net, we score a point. So at the end of three minutes, both teams have the same score because they own the points because they scored them together. And then the question is, can we get better at doing that in the next three minutes of play? So we take time to talk together about what we learned from that first experience, what principles are at work, and how we can use those principles to develop a strategy to improve our performance. And then we play again. And we see whether our strategy works. And if we don't improve, we all lose. And if we can improve, we can all win. So we're measuring how well we're doing and helping other people perform well. That part I really particularly enjoyed in the workshop because it really put high energy around the skill of problem solving. And you're problem solving for things that are like I don't mean to say ridiculous, but because they're they're cloaked in play, like, does it really matter how you get a beanbag from one net to the other? Like, I'm never going to do this in the real world. Like, it's you know what I'm saying? I'm I how I'm going to like roll a ping pong ball down some eaves troughing like I'm never going to do this in the real world. But that wasn't the point. The point was everybody was disarmed and on equal footing because nobody has nobody is a triple A you know, ping pong eaves trough player, like it it immediately (laughs) leveled the playing ground between everyone that I was with. And everybody was motivated to just put on their thinking caps and talk and discuss and brainstorm. And what if I held it like this? And what if you put it like that? And it was just such a great way to, to come together egalitarianly and just do this thing called brainstorming and solving and, and listening to each other and trying it out. And it just put, I thought it put problem solving so to the front so disarmed uh, that was my experience as a participant anyways i i don't know if, if that's by design or or if you hear this from other people it's a hundred percent by design yeah and so you're playing and you're talking about your scores one thing that you see happening is because you'll have a couple of groups playing and then we'll get a collective score and the notion of sharing your score collectively like let's say Allison, you and I were doing it and then Ted was doing it with somebody else. And then we got 10 and they got 20. We might 
be tempted to think we were wrong, but actually collectively we had a score of 30. And what can we collectively do to improve that score? And yes. since you got 20, maybe tell us some of your tricks, but maybe we had some too, and we'll talk about it, you know? Yes. I remember one time I was doing these games um, with a group of kids in a um, an elementary school where they had lost their playground because they were doing some construction and it was in the city. And so they didn't have a playground and they needed to have kids playing, but they needed to be in really contained spaces. So they brought in N-Team games to do play. And so we had these kids doing, playing with what you're talking about, those little tracks and the ping pong balls. And um, one of the girls in the debrief time and the round two, we were talking about one things that we learned and what worked well. And she said, I learned that if you um, bad talk the other person, it just doesn't go that well. So if you say nice things to them, it really goes like you're a better team. And but it was like it really blew her mind, you know. <laughs> and, and then I and then she was like reflecting. And then they played again, and they had all this exciting joy. And before they had been really discouraging to each other about their skill level with a ball and a and a track, you know. <laughs> it's amazing. today. So I think if if people now have heard those couple of examples that we've given, if they're starting to paint a picture in their mind of what these activities might look like, the volleyball, the, uh, you know, the, the, the strategizing win-win, how the points system works, I hope they're tracking and following along. Um, then let's tie that back into why my experience, those kids in the schoolyard, these the corporate execs at a retreat, how that goes back to the four sees why does that make me feel more connected why does that make me feel more more like what is it about those activities and that point system and how does that transition how does it fill the seas yeah well i'd love to jump in on that one um the i think it's it's got a little piece of community feeling in it it's gemeinschaftsgefühl fuel because you can't get the seas without that like that's the secret ingredient in each one of the C's that I have interest in others and then I'm concerned about it. And I have a sense that my well-being is tied up to their well-being and that, you know, you can't so that you're playing at that. Right. So you think about belonging. I need to know I belong, but it happens because I'm providing belonging to somebody else. Like one of the first games that we start with, usually in a in an activity, we did it with our session, is this thing where you find something you have in common with somebody and something you have that's different. 
and you go around to as many people as you can and you just fill out this little chart and you find as many things as you can that are, you have in common and that you have it different. And you're immediately building this experience that we can be connected and have belonging and acknowledge that we're unique. You know, that you like, you know, a certain kind of music that I like a different kind of music and we both can enjoy each other and think, oh, maybe I'll go listen to that one day, you know, and, but it's okay. Like, I don't have to be like you to be belong here. So you're immediately setting up a feeling of belonging that's not dependent on everybody being the same and, and making that okay. And then it just gets deeper because then we start playing together. We get improving our skills. We get capable in something even as silly as bouncing a balloon on our arms, you know, like, but we just start to, be together. One thing we noticed, do you remember in that one workshop we did together, there was somebody who had to sit down because they had a hurt leg. And the group that was with that person, they said, it's okay, I'll just sit out. And the group with that person said, no, no, we're going to all sit down so that you're equal and we can all play this. So everybody immediately figured out how to play the game. So there was like belonging there. There was that you matter. We don't want to leave you out. So that's count, right? And then there was, we're getting competent together because we're figuring out how to do this game sitting down, right? And then it all builds the experience of, I'm I'm resilient. I'm I have courage. I can handle whatever comes. So the C's are baked into every activity. I feel like the four C's are like these, like verbs almost. I don't know how else to say that, right? They're experiential feelings that you have. And we get so wrapped up in the way that we socialize, you know, that you go to a dinner party and you say, hi, you know, um, thank you for that lovely bottle of wine. Look at the lovely cheese platter. I don't know. We get so into our social scripts or whatever. And I just love that we get together here. All that's blown away, but we're still given these very human things that we need to do with one another in order to have feelings that we don't get in everyday interactions but when you set the stage for it, it's almost like it's like the human soul is so hungry for it. I, I, I didn't see a resistant person in the room. Everybody wants to laugh. Everybody wants to be silly. It's like we forget to have fun. We forget to be silly. We forget to know somebody because their favorite thing is pretzels. And I, I, how would I have gotten to that your favorite snack is pretzels if you wouldn't have kind of baited me with the question of in what ways are you the same? In what ways are you different? I could have I could have been your friend for three years before I would have gotten to that silly little <laughs> anecdote. And yeah. so I, I just I feel like you're just on to such a streak of gold here with this um, about how humans need to be how they need to experience one another in the world and to do it in this joyful way. And that it's so effective and quick, it, like seriously, it's um, it's it's pretty mind it's pretty mind blowing to me. Yeah, there's an example you have, Ted, of doing the games with some um a union and the and the bosses. Do you want to share what happened? Sure, I love sure. the stories. Oh, do yeah. Four four labor unions in one plant, two hundred and fifty people, um, and the Dan Keefe um, was was a new plant manager that was shipped into town um, and was told he was going to shut down this plant because they were losing so much money, and. He was there for a while, He's, and he contacted headquarters and told them, I think we can turn this around. And um, through a fluke of circumstances in team organization, was um, hired to help the managers and supervisors 
work together and develop a, a sense of of communication um, among them. Um, the union, one of the main complaints that the union had was that the uh, management team was not honest and they were not treating them respectfully. And they're, they're, we've got a, a write-up I can share with you. But but the without getting into all the details, we set up a series of games where the managers and supervisors began to play together. And then the um, machine operators in this plant, it was a, a very specialized printing plant, um, that they graded the managers and supervisors. So the union was scoring the management team and, and grading them month by month. And the results were after, as we began to essentially practice the four C's among the these 250 people, the operators said, the management team and the supervisor team is getting more honest. There, we can trust them more. There was, and, and so, and they went from a ten million dollar loss to a four million dollar profit the following year. And the there, there are a lot of things involved, and it wasn't entirely that one thing of of, of playing together, but that was one of the central tools. And Dan Keefe is that that was years ago that that happened, and Dan Keefe has continued to be a a good friend and became a uh, a board member for in team organization and has helped us um serve many other people oh, uh, what a, that's a powerful example as well very powerful example of the universality of the human experience whether it's kids adults uh, a parent child relationship management union boards like it really transcends transcends the human experience um you know, I'm thinking about um, what I come up against in my counseling practice, which is um, that often the first thing to go in families is family fun. It's almost one of the first things when I'm in taking a family and, and hearing their background and trying to get a sense of their dynamic, that one of the first things I say is like, what do you guys do for family fun? Or what could you do this weekend for family fun? It's amazing how how quickly leisure and fun and games, let alone the way you've sculpted them quite intentionally, but even just even just a family just sitting around enjoying each other playing cards. I mean, we yeah. really, yes. it, it's, it's just, it's just amazing how somehow play and leisure kind of fell the way of like sleep as being something that is like a wasted time or something. And I, I really hope that one of the takeaways for the listeners is the, is the value of, you know, of, of that recreation play time and all these quiet little things that happen behind the scenes that they may not know. Um, and I think that's much kind of looping back into the family meeting uh, um, piece that we started with, which is again, family meetings also cover off all the four crucial C's playing games and the way that you design them, bring back all those four crucial C's. And so for families that are just trying to pick up Adlerian psychology and are wondering where to start, and if you think if the first time you sat down with your family in a family meeting to solve a problem was to solve who's going to unload the dishwasher, compared to we need to solve the problem of how we're going to get the bean bag from this net to that net in four tosses with everybody getting two tries. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. And yet, like, please support me in this. Problem solving is problem solving is problem solving, right? Like it's... 
Yeah, starting with a trivial example where it doesn't really matter whether you succeed or fail makes it so much easier to get to the abstraction of what does it take for us to treat each other with respect? And and then we can try, experiment with different things and move from one level of performance to a higher level and then to a still higher level. And that idea of continuous process improvement, that we can, can continually get better at helping each other, that we can love each other more today than we did yesterday. And we can have fun doing it. Absolutely. Margie, do you have that experience where you're trying to get families to like move into some of the more joyful ways of learning some of these soft skills before they go into the contentious issues? <laughs> totally. We have a whole um, setup for how we introduce the idea of family meeting. And the first piece of it is really building belonging and connection and finding ways to have fun together that are, and that that's your first problem to solve is how are we going to have fun together? And what are we going to do? There's a, a story of a family that started doing that. And um, the family decided they'll have a picnic this week. And they just decided, you know, that that will be how we'll have fun together. And um, the, they went out it, and they normally would eat dinner at the table when it was sort of the ordeal or whatever. And they changed it up and went outside and had the picnic for their meal. And they had so much fun. They they didn't, the, the mom later said she wished she'd taken a picture, but nobody had their phones out because they were just having so much fun being together on that picnic blanket and eating together, like turning a normal mundane activity into fun, you know, for your family. So like, that's one thing we think about. I love, I think you're brilliant to say it in that way though, that when we learn how to problem solve through a fun activity, then we can start to notice our problem solving skills are growing. And we're getting more capable. And now we can start problem solving things that might be a little more contentious or hard, right? And mm -hmm. and we, you know, we we see that the people who um, you know, sorry not to be, you know, bring Debbie Downer because I want I like I like the positivity of the whole play factor. But what we do see with teen suicidality that a lot of those kids don't know how to problem solve and they really only see taking their life as the only way out of a, out of a situation. And those those kids tend to have low problem solving skills. And like learning who's going to solve who's going to unload the dishwasher when somebody has ballet at 4 when dad needs the dishwasher unloaded before he can start dinner that that is still problem solving the, the the same way as any other problem solving it is it is a it's a skill of the mind and and to have a safe place to develop and exercise those and to be valued for all the brainstorming iterations that are involved in it uh, to celebrate it as a as a skill you know it, it, it will family meetings are all about we'll look we'll see we'll try we'll 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 tweak it next week and see if we get better and that's what a lot of the games are right you get multiple rounds at these games to say oh we tried saying what if i call your name first before i throw the ball so that you know it's coming your way and the second time we said not only will we throw say your name before i throw the ball i'll always throw it to the person directly across from me and you get better and better at strategizing it's like you get better at strategizing. How are we going to unload the dishwasher? How are we going to get to school on time? There, it's it's still if you, if you can keep that mindset, it's very much a shared skill. And to be able to quantify whether we're better this time than we were last time, that's very helpful, particularly for some people. Um, some people are not so interested in the quantification, but having. A metric. Um, Einstein said, "We 
we um, our theories determine what we measure. And so if if our theory is based on cooperation, we're going to measure our improvements in cooperation. If our theory is based on competition, on a win-lose sense, then we're going to keep score on a win-lose basis. And so we want to pick and choose because both skill sets are important. We don't want to take away from the the the, the training necessary to become uh, a good competitor. Competition exists anytime you have a choice. You've got to make a you got to go to the left or go to the right. Those the left and the right are in competition with each other, and we've got to make the best choice. And and can we see if we're getting better at making good choices today than we did yesterday? I love that. I love that. So how do we tie this back into making the world a more peaceful place? Because we need that immediately. (laughs) (laughs) We've got to play together. We've got to, you know, look for the the good in each other. Yeah. Be willing to be different and also care for each other, you know. And, And expecting that we can get better. That that expectation, that hope that we we know that we're at a certain level right now, but we can see the good in each other and recognize, um, in spite of the fact that I may be doing something wrong, um, you can talk to me. That that we can we can laugh together, think together, and and be able to 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 move in a way that hopefully is better today than we did yesterday. And that's the hopeful encouragement piece that I think, you know, Adler was so, so key and fundamental, right, in his writings and his his thought and his philosophy, which is yeah. um, speaks directly to me and, and that the world needs more of right now, for sure. Yes. And always will. Yes. Yeah. Always a work in progress, right? I can't thank you enough for this. I want to make sure because I kind of drove the conversation, but I want to make sure I give each of you time. Is there anything that you had come to this opportunity to chat that you wanted to make sure got explained or described that I uh, didn't ask you directly about? I want to make sure that you feel it's complete in terms of your communications and takeaway with our audience. And I know you both uh, have, uh, you know, you share a message, but you also have your own minds. Uh, So I'll ask you both individually, Margie, anything that you wish that was still said to wrap up uh, any of our conversations? I think one thing that I would love just to say is that family is the place where those four C's can really come to life. And that if you can really think about any mistake or any challenge, just being an opportunity to grow the four C's, like to grow. So whatever is going wrong, it's just a chance to get more connected, just a chance to get more capable um, to know that you count, that your voice is needed, um, and that we can be courageous together to get through whatever it is. I think that's the that's what we're we've been doing since 2016 when we've been giving programs and services and materials around. We've just been focusing on that. So, and I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to you to do a plug to all the places people can continue to learn from you. So, <laughs> so I'll separate that from just closing words. I am gonna come back and give you a platform for that. How about for you, Ted? Having a good, strong family is absolutely essential. Having a family that can work with other families, particularly families with differing beliefs, differing points of view, and and having a whole community that can work together, that's a a different skill set. So working within the family, working to connect families, to have both of those. And and one of the things that I would like to request of, of anyone who's interested is help in testing 
more situations um and and we've we've got materials that are available at no cost um on on our website that people can download the games we would like to um encourage people to use them and to to build these bridges between diverse communities i love that so let me so let me go back to you then ted and say like so you you have been so generous in what you've put out to the world. I know people can work with you and your team and 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 do so. Can you like talk about what your offerings are, um, where people can find you? I'll put everything in the show notes, of course. But like like take the floor here and just say like where people are yes. excited now. They want to know how can they engage you? How can they learn more? Tell tell us all about your products and offerings and services. Sure, we've we've got three main categories of activities that we offer to people to build the Adlerian concepts, the four C's. Um, physical sports, like we described volleyball, we've got versions of kickball. There, it, We call it volleyball. It's not volleyball. It's a game you play with a volleyball on a volleyball net, but it's a totally different game, a different scoring system. Um, and so we don't want to be misleading about that. Um, in addition to the sports, we have table games, uh, games that measure how well you listen to each other. Physical games um, where you're you're playing, um, but it is not as physical as playing volleyball. Um, and so, so the, the the qualities of listening, of problem solving, of creativity, um, of conflict resolution. So we have a series of games for that site that that process and these again these are available on the in team web, website um and then the third category is academic games reading games math games where we all lose if we can't get better at mastering the the curricular content and so teachers can use these games um and and to pair up um a game we were talking about keeping on track as a physical game that you can play and then have keeping on topic as an academic game you can play where you're using the the same kind of strategic skills but you're applying them to the mastery of curricular content so all three of these are available and we're we're actively looking for people to help us um test them in more settings um one of the settings that i'm most excited about is we've been doing special education classrooms and general education and bringing the kids together the special ed teachers have said the kids are doing things we didn't think they could do when they play together with the general ed kids and currently we're working with a, a police department uh, to get police officers to be more um, comfortable dealing with people with varying levels of, of ability. So lots of, of different applications, and we would appreciate the opportunity to talk to people who are interested in building more cooperation in their communities. So, and we will, again, I'll put the end team and all that information and links in the show notes. And if you're willing to share the write-up of the paper of that uh, union, there, there'll be people that'll be interested in that. If you're willing to let me put a link sure. up there, that's great. Sure. Margie, what about you? I, and uh, I, I, um, I did borrow one of your great links from your newsletter and uh, <laughs> just posted yeah. it. Um, but oh, please, yeah, tell us what you've got out there for people to continue on with your offerings. So Family Leadership Center is a nonprofit focused on families and helping to bring the four C's to any problem that you face in your family. And 
Um, we are in the process of creating some new programs. So there's not a lot of activity on our website, but soon there will be a lot of things that we'll be offering, but they're not ready yet. And, um, but we do have our ongoing blog and we have ongoing, you know, information that newsletter and things that we send out. So stay tuned. We have stay more tuned. And, yeah. and one, one thing I would add, I'm, I'm most excited that in team organization is now becoming a, a component of the family leadership center. And we're going to be merging it into the family leadership center. And so um, I, I get to work for Margie now. Oh, that's oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, the family cycle of life continues. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, listen, um, I I really took so much away from that workshop. And I really hope that the listeners today got uh, a piece of my enthusiasm and a vein of, of learning from what you offered up to us and are curious enough that they want to continue learning and, and reach out to you folks for more resources and to bring it to their communities or to their families and really bring that to life. So I, I can't thank you enough. I really keep doing what you're doing and I treasure your friendship on top of it all. Great to be with my Adlerian colleagues. Allison, thank you very much. Yeah, it's really a treat to be with you. Thanks so much. Find another topic. We'll have you back anytime. <laughs> all, right. all right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast, so thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.